At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Cranberry Radio presents... CEO Coach, a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding the finances, set up the staffing, our CEO coaches will break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup management and development, the founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Hi there, this is Ann Kennedy, co-host of CEO Coach. It's August, it's hot, and we told you to take a vacation. Well, guess what? We're going to take our own advice. Jillian and I will be on a break for a few weeks. Meanwhile, we'd like to offer you a couple of our favorites from this past year. Enjoy, and we'll be back in a few weeks with fresh ideas for you on the CEO Coach. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about how to avoid this chasm of micromanagement in your startup. And it is a chasm. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, every time I find myself having to deal with it, it just makes my skin crawl. So (laughs) So tell me, what is it? What is it? Why does it happen? It seems to pop up like mushrooms. It certainly does. Whack-a-moles, right? Micromanagement is really the result of poor or no processes in place. Got that? No processes or poor processes. It always leads to micromanagement. Good processes avoid having to micromanage, right? By getting good processes in place, you can take a lot. It's going to take a lot of handholding. It's going to take some cajoling and reassuring. And sometimes it feels like nothing less than a baton march. Some fem- members, you know, the team members, they're going to drop like flies. But whoa, it is whoa, 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 worth it. What, what, what? That's hyperbole. Hyperbole, don't you think? Can it really be that bad? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, I know it's hyperbole above and beyond, but really within reason, it depends on the team that you're dealing with. It depends on the stage of the company, how many people you're dealing with, how functional or dysfunctional the company and the corporate culture are to begin with, right? And how far down the path this founder has gone in micromanaging instead of putting processes in place. So without processes, people start working at cross-purposes very, very quickly. You're going to find it's a pretty rough, you know, road to hoe when you're done here. So everyone has their hearts in the right place, right? And in the absence of leadership, everybody strikes out on their own to do their best and move the company where they believe it has to go. The herd are running off in all directions. Exactly. Right. In the absence of leadership, which means leadership didn't put processes in place, they didn't put any kind of walls or guidelines in place, everybody's running around in circles. So the founder takes charge immediately, right? 
She or he says immediately, I'll take this from here and I'll edit that before you post. And I've got the voice of this company and I know how to get that invoice paid and I'll do it and I'll do it and I'll do it. And That's it's not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable, but it's also not even workable at the earliest stages because then everybody else gets kind of pissed off, right? They don't really want to hear, I'll do it, which means I'll take it from you. They want to learn how to do it, right? Sure. But you're not telling them there is a way to do it. You just say, do it. So in truth, in the earliest stages of company development, the founder really does everything, right? But it's not sustainable. So then what? Exactly. So giving away those Legos doesn't come easily. You or the founder, whatever, is never sure somebody else is going to do this job as well as you're doing it, right? And you're not sure you can trust anybody else to do these things, quote, right? And for the good reason, right? You haven't ever had anybody else and there's nobody else been doing anything. Only you do it as the founder. That's hard to get over. You just referenced a wonderful article by Molly Graham. We remember who Molly Graham is, right? Is she, mm-hmm. she, uh, I think she grew first Google and then Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. working largely in HR and operations. So she was really right at the nexus of where the growth was happening and how you manage the teams. And the article you just mentioned, you made reference to is the giving away your Legos. Yes. It was on First Round Capital's blog. We did a whole show on that, remember? I but, do. For our listeners who might have missed that, I'll put the link up. We'll put the link up on our Facebook page so that people can see it again. Excellent. Okay. Um, and, and how about some context for some folks who haven't listened to our previous show? Sure. The idea of giving away your Legos is this. In order to scale and scale quickly, every few months, you, founders, CEOs, managers, must give away the jobs you have been doing to someone else and work on the what's next jobs in your company. Mm-hmm. And that's something you talk a lot about, Jillian, is the idea of, of what's next in the context of CEOs and COOs. Yes, I actually do a lot of that, Anne. I talk about successful tech companies being comprised of both a wizard, and that's a visionary, or in some circumstances you'll recognize them as the technologist in your company, and an executor. Now, the purpose of the executor is to protect the wizard. COOs out there listening to this podcast, heads up, folks, you know, if your wizards are thinking about anything except what's next, you're losing money. So executors execute on the vision of wizards. I must have said this a thousand times on this show. So if you've listened to other podcasts, you've heard that before. Once you get the right people in those senior seats, whether they're co-founders or C-level execs or others, you're going to find that things start moving in the right direction. Now, the wizard, generally a startup CEO who may have been doing everything from paying the bills to managing IT development, and usually without any background experience in either of those things and many others, to support him in the endeavor, must give away those jobs as quickly as possible to the COO. That's giving away Legos, for sure. Mm -hmm. But we know it's not so easy, is it? I read an interesting article by Ann Duane about her experience at Zinch. And quoting from that article, when Ann Duane became CEO of Zinch, the college matching service online, she said it felt like diving into a pool needing to figure out how to be a synchronized swimmer. Well, whoa, it's a big big order. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was a tricky dynamic, she says, because there was an existing team. I had to insert myself, establish our priorities, and hash out how we were going to operate as a team. But there was a lot of missing context 
so it was the Olympic Games of adapting to a new job. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to describe it. It's an Olympic Games of adapting to a new job. So uh, can we put a Facebook uh, article, you know, a link on our Facebook page again? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and let's just tell people where to look for that because we do like to have them come see our Facebook page. Absolutely. Facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. Again, Facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. You'll find the links to the articles we're referencing here and plenty of other information. Uh, we hope that you, you know, stop by, hit the like button so you, we know you're out there and tell us what you'd like to hear on Webmaster Radio's CEO coach. So um, as we kind of roll through this concept now, Certainly, it is a tricky dynamic, regardless of what time you're entering the corporation. But at this point, I think we should point out that it's, there's a complexity around understanding what process is and why it's valuable. So there's this kind of workflow process uh, definition that I put together. First of all, I would say that it's tight, Right? It leads to far fewer dropped balls, and it enables us to do more with fewer man hours. It's replicable, right? unlike the kind of ad hoc things that go on in the beginning of a, a startup. Right? It's replicable. So unlike email threads, a process provides clarity and standardizes activity, so it can be handed off to others in the event of illness, travel, just being busy, and like you know, moving on to the next job. It's scalable. Working with just a few elements of anything and just a few people is pretty easy, right? If you're working remotely even, you can still pick up the phone, send a chat, uh, whatever it is, right? It's fine, but it's not scalable. We keep talking about that, and it's not scalable. Scalability requires the replicability that I just mentioned, and it enables you to expand your business operations without mayhem. Then it's got boundaries that prevent meddling. So a process that you're going to create for your company must have boundaries in it. It's a critical piece. It avoids team members stepping on each other's toes, and it provides clear places for input of team members who have valuable assets to really want to leverage. So it could be that material goes into specific place uh, folders. There are uh, specific meetings that you will have in which the input is taken, but you've then put time limits on that process. So the next one is time limits. It provides clear deadlines for input by all team members. It tells you, again, where you do it, how long you have to do it, and then there are none of these emails with these multiple changes and plans and edits across purposes, and, and it prevents this 11th hour stumbling and bumbling that we find so often when there's no process in place. And then finally... It leverages the talents and knowledge of those that you need most, right? The subject matter experts inside your company can teach appropriately, and it avoids enabling team members to meddle or stall the speed of development. It gives control to the final person who's got the approval process in the entire you know, process here, right? If input is not useful, the final approving party in any process need not use it. Final authority is critical for the success of any solid business process. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Money doesn't grow on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with cranberries. What? Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach. Only on Cranberry Radio. We are talking today about ending micromanagement, yay, and instituting processes at your company, which will end the micromanagement in case you didn't get that. We just took a few moments to define what we meant by process in the previous segment. Jillian, do you want to sum those up again real quick so Absolutely. we can hear the intrinsic value of growing? That's right. They are tight. Company? You got it. They're tight. They're replicable, scalable. The boundaries prevent meddling. Time limits, speed process, leveraging talents and knowledge is part of that process. And then there's control at the end by the authorized party. Okay, then. I'm a true believer, but let's get to the <laughs> meat of this for our listeners, Jillian. How do you get processes in place and get out of micromanaging your company to its early demise, which would be really sad? Yes, and it uh, actually does lead to early demise. Um, if you can't give away those Legos, if you will, if you can't give away those jobs, you can't scale. And it's just that simple. Then you have a small lifestyle business, but it's never going anywhere, and it probably will fold if you're trying to build the one and you're acting like in the other. So the first thing to understand is who you are. If you're the wizard, it's time to acknowledge that and to get an executor in place instantly. If you're an executor, whether you're just coming aboard or you're taking over operations role from your co-founder, it's best to take stock of the activities. You can't really call them processes, right? But whatever activities are going on in the company now, that's what you take stock of. And you do so simply by asking about them, right? You study that. So we have a startup in our portfolio, and that is in the throes of establishing those first processes right now and moving a CEO away from the micromanagement right now. That's a really tough road to hoe. Indeed. So with one person wearing all the hats and carrying all the buckets, the company can't possibly grow. Right? The CEO knows it and expresses that he's hobbled and he's you know, moving the company forward. He's trying to do that, but he doesn't have enough time to focus on that 20% of the important things that will you know, just do that for him, move that company forward. But he's also having trouble giving away those Legos. So when one person is carrying all the hats and carrying all the buckets, and we know the company can't grow – so how do you approach getting somebody to actually give away those Legos? 
Right. So the very lack of processes makes it difficult to hand off anything, um, but that's the purpose of processes, right? They provide all of these contexts and so on. We, we get that it's difficult for them, and the first thing perhaps is to understand what will likely happen, right? Tempers will flare. The receiving party, generally a process-oriented person who has done this before, is impatient with the lack of processes, even knowing full well that that's the reason they're there at all, right? to create the process. But it's the nature of the human. It's what we call assets and attributes. It's the attribute of the human. So the wizard's frustrated by her inability to explain all that she does and all the steps that are being taken today. The key members are frustrated because, you know, their simple little let's just talk and email each other processes are being changed. They're thinking, you know, somebody's moved my cheese. Oh, oh yes. We need to put that up on our Facebook page, too. Who moved Absolutely. my cheese? <laughs> yes, we'll do that. We'll put up um, I've just, a, I think, a link to Wikipedia has got a wonderful definition of that, who moved my cheese, and it's certainly a book, and people can buy that, too. So the wizard's trying to explain what she's been doing. The key members who are raving fans of the organization are upset because they are, have to do something differently, and someone else is telling them how to do it and how it's going to go down. Down. The executor is a bit overwhelmed, as Anne Duane said, right? It's like trying to learn synchronized swimming after having been tossed into a pool for the first time, right? But the process is doable, and it can even be done well. The, you know, Anne Duane suggests that we apply game mechanics to the process, and I think that's brilliant, Yes, uh, Duane said, and I'll quote it here, a good leaders create a context that embraces the joy of figuring things out. Yeah, the joy of figuring things out. So naturally, the joy of figuring things out requires enduring the struggle of working things through. And in gaming, the whole process is expected. And the mental rewards of figuring things out sustain gamers through hours of practice and failed attempts. And that is the, the balance of the quote from Anne uh, Duane. So what I'd say is, yeah, precisely, you know. While it would be foolish to address your team and say, hey, we're going to make game out of this, right? It would not be foolish to approach the team like a gamer. In order not to lose team, uh, key team members, either literally as in, you know, they quit, or figuratively as in they check out mentally and they're no longer really deeply engaged in moving your company forward, I suggest the following approach. We're going to say the first thing is that the processes enable you to manage not people, but process itself, right? That people should be left to decide the minutia of their own jobs. It inspires them to do the best work they can do. And it increases creativity, initiative, power, and value in everyone in your team. Micromanaging stymies the growth and kills the startups, right? It's really that simple. So, so I'd much rather... Um, take the game approach, then go on a baton march. May I just say that? <laughs> Absolutely. So the gaming approach would be about um, engaging the team with an understanding of um, that the fact that the process is going to take some time. There will be trial and failure. The first thing you want to do is query the team about what they do today. And then if you can't um, uh, discuss with them, you know, an example that you already have that says, oh, and it failed here. So let's come up with something where it won't fail the next time, because that's a 
really good motivator, by the way. If it's failed, then it's easy to, uh, you know, to tell them this didn't feel good to any of you and we didn't get something accomplished and so now we're going to fix it. If you don't have that, then paint a picture of the future. Say, what happens when each of you move ahead in your own field and you take on more responsibilities in the company? In other words, you're saying, what happens when you guys get a promotion? Then you're going to have to train somebody else to do this. How would you create that training manual so that it was a replicable process and you could train not only one person, but perhaps somebody for three or six or 6,000 offices around the world? That's about scalability. So you're painting the picture. So uh, one thing that comes to mind about all this is there was a book, a very slim book a few years ago called The E-Myth. Do you remember this book? I uh, do. And the, the core premise, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I will, I will find that and put it up on our Facebook page as well. The, the core premise was that uh, um, entrepreneurship wasn't about doing it all yourself. It was about developing replicable processes that you could be easily taught, uh, whether they involved complex skills was another thing, but at least the process could be easily taught. And that is how uh, one became a successful entrepreneur. And I think this book was maybe 20 years old, something like that. It but is. it sure is resonating with what you're telling us today. Yes, um, the e-myth was uh, written by Michael Gerber. You can still buy it on Amazon. It's still out there. And I believe it was written in 2004. Um, and actually, no, it was just republished in 2004. It looks to me like it was a 1990s book. That's what I so, thought, yeah. Yeah, 1990. So that's a long time ago. It's still very valid today. You're quite right. Uh, the processes that we use... Um, to uh, create replicable events inside a company that hold to standards and meet the goals, um, if you will, just both the short-term and the long-term goals of a corporation are critical to scalability. And there's another concept I've heard bandied about a lot among tech startups is uh, what number bus company are you? And this has everything to do with having scalable processes that are, that are clearly defined because the higher your bus number, the better your company is. If you are a bus one number bus company, that means only one person knows how to do what you do and that's bad. Because suppose they got hit by a bus. Exactly right. That makes really good sense. So replication of uh, of the skills and replication of the um, ability to perform a particular process is critical also to success. It was one of the pieces that we described in the workflow process, not right? It's the second one. The first is that it's tight, right? Fewer drop balls and enables us to do more with fewer man hours. But at the same time, it's replicable, which means that you can have redundancy inside your organization. And we all know that redundancy is how the airplanes stay in the sky and the lights stay on with failover yes. systems. So make your process your failover system. We need to take a break now, Jillian, but then okay. we'll come back with abundant thinking. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. 
Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Jamming and spamming, cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session, only on Cranberry Radio, cranberry.fm. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Cranberry Radio. Today, we're talking about abundant thinking. I bet you never heard, heard, thought you'd hear those words <laughs> in relation <laughs> to business. Um, but, but, doesn't that sound pretty woo-woo, abundant thinking? Really? I mean, you know, we're not selling snake oil here, so uh, dig in. Tell me what's going okay. on. Okay. Um, what we're going to talk about is how it can move your company forward when you practice. And it is a practice guided by daily habits. You said woo-woo, I say fairy dust, but it's none of the above. In fact, it reminds me a lot of, do you remember the power of positive thinking? Norman Norman Peel, yes. Yeah, I wonder how many of our listeners remember him. But, you know, the the wonderful (laughs) phrase he used to say is, live simply, expect little, and give much. And this is a decidedly 21st century reboot. And it's thanks to the work of... Katya Verison, she's an executive coach in the Bay Area and New York City, and she has aided uh, C-suite types at brand names you'll recognize, Airbnb, Facebook, Twitter, Stanford University, as well as rising stars at startups. And I've been watching her work, uh, reported by our friends over at First Round Review, and Mm -hmm. I thought that it would make some really interesting stuff to talk about today. So. Promising me that it's not woo-woo. Promise. What do you think about when you think about this idea of abundant thinking? Okay, let's look at its opposite. Okay. Scarcity. Believing there is not enough to go around as well. Scary. Abundant thinking believes that there is enough and scary is not a part of it. And so is that like getting out and doing sales and saying sooner or later I'm going to get a sale because there's plenty of it? I mean, within reason, you can psych yourself up. But uh, what is this? Well, you kind of touched on it with the psych yourself up because it adds up to all of this 
thinking, abundant thinking or scarcity thinking adds up to attitude, your attitude, the CEO's attitude, which Verison insists is 100% tied to your performance. 100%. Okay. So in some ways, I actually can see that. I do see that we work with a tremendous number of startups and now fast-growing companies as well. And as you and I go out to these companies, uh, we know that corporate culture starts from the top. And I know that you and I have seen the attitude of the CEO affects the entire company. For example, we work with um, uh, you know, one of these startups very deeply recently, and as recently as maybe six or eight months ago, the very negative attitude of a terrified CEO, right? So first-time CEO was absolutely terrified and was in such a bad stage in a state in his own head that he got to you, as I recall. Indeed, right? he did. Yeah. He did. And so I think you are absolutely correct. This uh, attitude in which, I mean, it was, it was filled with scarcity. He was terrified and he was sure that there just wasn't enough to do anything. There wasn't enough money. There wasn't enough rope. There weren't enough investors. There weren't enough people who would say yes. There weren't enough uh, buyers. I mean, he was just terrified, right? And in that state, he said and did things that were unconscionable. I mean, truly so. But he actually got to his advisors and investors as well as to, you know, the people working with him. And that I I can actually see how that works. Yep. So I can hear the engineer founder saying, no, no, isn't it enough that I can make a brilliantly engineered product that will change the world? What does my attitude have to do with it? Well. Uh, yes, I would agree that, that that we would hear that a lot. And even the CEO we we're talking about, who is in just such a terrible state, would also have said, you know, it's kind of all about me. They cannot okay. see outside of themselves, especially when you're filled with that feeling of scarcity. So if you're thinking about that, I'd say, you know, first of all, mea culpa and take a good look at yourself. If you even thought those words that Anne said, which is, you know, isn't it enough and what does my attitude have to do with it? The answer is get out of your own head. What you do and what you think affects everybody else. As founder, CEO, your attitude sets the tone for the culture and voice of your company for sure, but your attitude will also surely affect how you make decisions that affect your company's future. So that attitude, to go back to Katya Verison, is so important that she often talks about brain hacks that top founders use for success, successful execution, um, okay. namely so way, brain, way, hacks. brain hacks. Yes, you can yeah. actually affect your attitude. How about mm-hmm. that? You can okay. get, up, get up in the morning in a bad mood and you can make your mood better. Yes, I would totally agree. Uh, You know, kind of the first and very basic stuff that psychologists do with even with young children who are acting out or whatever. They say, well, you know, only you can make yourself angry. Nobody else on this planet makes you angry. I would say the same thing to our CEOs. It's true, right? Things happen, good, bad, otherwise it doesn't matter. The world happens. The only thing you can affect is your own attitude toward it. So how does that work, Anne? 
the way it works, there are so many great ways, and I want to get into it deeply in the um, second segment because some of the techniques I think are just brilliant, and I have tried a couple of them on myself, and I really like it. So I want to go in there. But right now, I, I just want to cover um, one of the basics of uh, of brain hacks is taking care of yourself, maintaining your physical, emotional, and mental energy. And we've talked about this before on this show um, to support this remarkable advantage of abundant thinking. In other words, take care of yourself so you can, so you can take care of business and, or make sure your oxygen mask is in place before attempting (laughs) to assist others. I love it. Allowing yourself to become drained and pessimistic is no way to grow your business. Yet, how much of that do we see in in, in tech startups? Verisnas, oh, how many? Everywhere you see it everywhere across the planet, right? Uh, new mothers, you know, fall into this all the time. They spend all this time, effort, and physical energy taking care of the infant, perhaps the next child, that you know, children that exist already, uh, you know, a spouse, uh, one's obligations, business, and so on, and they fail to take care of themselves and plummet into both physical and emotional disrepair. And how about our tech startup engineers, the CEOs who say, "Ah, I only got three hours sleep for the last three weeks and we'll just power through for the next two weeks. That's right. It's common Um, in the entrepreneurial set, but it rarely spells progress, she says. I saw a billboard on uh, Highway 99 in Seattle heading southbound out of the city. It No, excuse me, northbound into the city. It says, CEOs don't take rain checks. And it had an image of Red Bull. Oh. That's a, a real bad message. It's a really, really bad. So I, that we want to go into uh, Verison's methods more deeply, but you know what? We have to let our sponsors reach out to their customers. So what uh, Verison does is she guides her clients towards achieving what she calls the performance plus of maximized physical, emotional, and mental energy, but also works on their belief systems. Mm. She said, when someone becomes a leader, their external identity changes, right? Because they're a leader. To succeed, their internal identity has to catch up. So, Anne, do you remember some years ago, I talked about having stepped down from Moz, and I put out a uh, a resume, and uh, the CEO of the Washington Technology Industry Association basically said, give me that, I wouldn't hire you to be a janitor. I had not caught up with what had been accomplished and um, and where I stood in that ecosystem of what had been accomplished um, in my own mind or in my resume, if you will. I find that men and women, women in particular, but all over the startup space and so on, they will go through an extraordinary amount of effort to build something up, right? And then they don't realize, even with 2020 hindsight, what has been accomplished. They only see the mess of it. You're quite right. The internal identity must catch up with what the external identity, if you will, has achieved and what they now do in a leadership role. You had the same thing. Um, it took, I think I was the one who pointed out what you had accomplished on a global stature, right? And how that affected uh, the industry, right? And you looked at it and you said, yeah, but it's kind of messy while I did it. You know, it, it didn't look that way as you were doing it. It didn't feel that great. 
right? But you're quite right. The internal must catch up with the external. How does that work? How do you do it? Well, at the core of the abundance thinking is a concept called creative agency. And I'm not talking about the Mad Men businesses. Good. But but (laughs) creative agency is freeing our ability to think creatively with the understanding that we always have choices. And then asking were I to if, notice something? If ah. I if I were to notice something new about a situation, what would it be? And that huh. really opens the creative doors. And you know, you brought up the example of um, me not looking fully at what I had accomplished in the previous yeah. ten years because I was still thinking from inside that process. And yes, it was a great accomplishment. And yes, it was messy mm-hmm. getting there. Um, so I needed to get outside that with creative agency and look at other ways of looking at this, at what it was. And so this concept is interesting. The words creative agency, uh, it, it's, I mean, it's intriguing, the, the term agency. I'm not sure I would have chosen it, but I understand what you're saying. You're saying, uh, really, you employ this question. If I were to notice something new about this situation, what would it be? In other words, again, things cannot make you angry. Only you can, or you choose to. Uh, Things can't make you creative. Only you can choose to be, and so on. Um, Then you would say, how shall I look at the situation around me? What is my decision in terms of my response? Very interesting stuff. Yeah, this is agency in in a a, a verb transitive sense of of agency, of being an agent for, like a change agent, that sort of thing. This is that way that uh, Mm -hmm. she's using this word and it's great. So how many ways can you think in these terms that would help your business grow. Uh, The list is simply endless. Um, Just noticing can bring you out of a stall. Now I'm referring to the kind of stalls that airplanes do when they fall out of the sky. Yes. If you you pair it with letting go of existing boundaries, um, becoming comfortable with, I don't know what I don't know is a Hmm. huge step forward and very often difficult for people, well, impossible for people in a scarcity mindset because they have the uh, wagon wheels, the wagons drawn around the campfire to protect Mm -hmm. themselves. They're not interested in what they don't know. Um, They're afraid of what they don't know. So they tend to, their default position is to cling tightly to what they do know and avoid uncertainty. So Mm -hmm. how many opportunities do they miss? Yes. The missing of opportunities, I would think, is actually huge. Um, I've talked to people, for example, about one of the companies we're deeply involved with, the Brett-approved company, right? The uh, trip advisor, if you will, for people with disabilities um, and mobility challenges. So I talk to folks about it. And as I discuss it, whether they're potential you know, investors or uh, whether they're just interested in what's going on and so on and so forth, one of the things I've noticed and I've now begun to tell people is now you will see these Brett-approved customers everywhere. Until now, folks with mobility challenges have been 
been largely invisible kind of to the rest of the population. I said, but you're going to find them everywhere. They don't all use wheelchairs or whatever. I mean, they may walk with a cane or a walker or they're simply slower or they're, you know, aging and have, if you can see already a significant mobility challenge, you're going to notice them everywhere and you're going to go, another bread approved customer, another bread approved customer. And certainly people tell me that once I have discussed the concept, they see all of that. In other words, they have seen the opportunity. They have noticed the opportunity or potential customers for a particular company. They've put it together. We don't know what we don't know. We just have to somehow reveal it by being mindful and seeing stuff that we would ordinarily miss. I think that's fascinating stuff. Okay. And another another uh, technique that you can pair with uh, that kind of mindfulness is neutrality and make it even mm. more powerful. The Buddhists call this a beginner mind or shoshin, which is the act of releasing judgments and assumptions in order to learn and grow your power. So those folks with cognitive bias issues, they're going to have trouble with this because yes. Verison says neutrality puts you in the proper relationship with what truly is. I would agree again. So again, uh, understanding the concept of cognitive bias, by the way, that says that uh, essentially you're deep in the weeds of your own company. You're making assumptions about the industry, your competitive landscape, your ability to produce product, uh, who, what your uh, product is good for, uh, who needs it, uh, who your potential customers are, what they'll pay for, all of those things. You have strong biases around it based on previous information, what you think you've tested and seen, uh, what you you've heard from one or two folks or maybe even from a thousand folks right if you can remove all of that then you are like your own consultant coming in from the outside we talked about that recently in one of our uh, uh, recent podcasts about the idea of bringing in a consultant because they have fresh eyes right that is that concept of shoshin uh, where you are new to this and you're not so deep in the weeds that you can't see the forest for the trees this is the act of doing it yourself as a CEO. Fascinating. Yep. And uh, successful founders, uh, Barrison also points out, use rituals and some are daily rituals like doing the important work before opening the email, <laughs> getting mm. just distracted and reactive. Right. And, That's and harder a, than you think. That's it is really very hard. hard. And I think we could do a whole, sh whole show on FOMO and why we feel so <laughs> down that we'll have right. to open our email right. first. Um, right. But there are other um, rituals that have specific purposes. Uh, there are countless volumes of neuroscience research that point to our ability to reboot our mood when necessary. And I mentioned this in the last segment, I wanted to cover it. Here's how you do it. If you find yourself in a negative place of scarcity or you're thinking about how badly things are going now or you feel you've just been really, I don't know, shafted by something that happened in a meeting, what Verison has her clients do is go back to a place or a time when something went really well. And in mm -hmm. fact, she has them prepare what she calls power boards of pictures or collections or um, albums of the successful things, because you can actually reboot your mood by thinking about those successful things. It's a little bit like when you were kids, you said, you know, people said, go to your happy place. 
<laughs> that is exactly that. right. Right. But we grow out of that and it's a very bad thing. Wasn't it uh, Picasso said we are all born creative. The trick is to maintain it. It's the same idea. We are all born with this capacity to reboot ourselves and we assume that little ones can do it. We just tell them to do it. Right. And we say, oh, just go to your happy place, that kind of thing. And it happens. It works. The trick is to keep that capacity. And with that, I think that's it for this Monday, Anne. We're going to have to say goodbye to CEO Coach. We'll be back next week. We'd like to thank our producers at Cranberry Radio. You can reach them at cranberry.fm slash CEO Coach. And uh, we'd like to thank them for their support. You can find us not only at cranberry.fm slash CEO Coach coach, but at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many, many other places around the web. You'll find links to the articles and books and conversations we talked about today on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. Stop by, hit the like button so we know you're out there. Tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. We'll do what we can. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jillian Music with my partner and friend, Ann Kennedy, and you'll find more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at OutlinesVenture.com. Till next week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.